Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's December 21, 2015, and this is episode 502. I recently sat down with my friend Iberian X Perillo and recorded a great conversation about where he is in his photography as he lays down some challenges for himself to take his photography to a new level. And today I'm going to share that conversation with you. Iberian X Perillo is a Los Angeles based photographer, writer and host and producer of the Candid Frame Photography Podcast. He has over 25 years of experience in the photographic industry and his work has appeared in numerous publications including Outdoor Photographer, Digital Photo Pro, Rangefinder, Popular Photography and Photoshop User Magazines. He has authored over five books including Chasing the Light, Improving Your Photography Using Available Light and Iberian X's podcast, The Candid Frame has been running for over nine years now and he's spoken to some of the industry's most amazing photographers including Elliot Erwitt, Dan Winters, Mary Ellen Mark and many many others. He has served as an adjunct professor at the Art Center College of Design and he's currently working as a production fellow for Maximum Fun which produces NPR's Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. We were communicating recently and Iberian X happened to mention that his photography was going through some interesting changes, so we set a time to sit down and talk, with nothing planned other than to discuss this in depth. The result is an hour-long conversation that covers a lot of ground, and I really hope that you enjoy this as much as I did. Okay, so Iberian X, welcome back to the show. Hey, Martin. Always good to talk to you, man. You too. You know, that voice when it comes across, it, you know, we, we've been friends for like, what, nine years or so now. And it it's, it's, shouldn't surprise me, but when that voice comes across Skype, it just it's like I'm sitting here listening to a late night radio show and everything just seems to be okay. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to have a conversation today. We've literally, we've got like one thing that we mentioned we were going to talk about, we were talking over email and um, you mentioned that you'd got a, had a few changes, some fun stuff going off in your photography life. So we're going to talk about that and then that's it really. So we're just going to be uh, just talking, a couple of friends having a conversation and uh, I'm sure we're, we're going to enjoy it and I hope the listeners will too. But um, tell me, what is it, what's happening with your photography? What are you, what are you up to these days? Well, before we get started there, I just wanted to congratulate you. Um, oh, yeah. I, I missed your uh, uh, your anniversary show, and uh, uh, I just I wanted to say that uh, um, I so am so happy that you're still around, mm-hmm. that yeah. you continue to put out what I think is one of the best um, photography shows that are out there. I mean, there have been a lot that have come and gone um, since then, mm-hmm. since the beginning and i think yours is an exceptional show oh thanks very much you provide an incredible amount of of, of information and th- that goes without saying but i've always enjoyed the sincerity and the generosity with which you have put this stuff out there oh. and 
think that that's one of the reasons why you have proven so successful, not only in terms of your podcast, but also in terms of what you do, what you've done in terms of your your uh, business as as a photographer. So I'm really, um, really proud to, to see you do that. And I'm even prouder uh, that we're friends. I, that, that's amazing. Thanks very much, Iberia Nexus. You know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we're friends as well. And, and it's, it's been a long time. Um, I mean, you, your, your own podcast, people will know you from the candid frame, but you know, I, I think that that whole, I could say, I could just say right back at you with, on for all of that. Um, because you know, you've been doing your podcast for, for pretty much as long as I have. And you, what, what are you, what are you at? I mean, you're, you've, you've just gone over 300 or so, right? Cause I know right. that, I know you've had a few times when you've, you've not, you've not released every week, but it's, I mean, you provide so much, uh, in, incredible information and the, the people that you get to talk to just astounds me. You know, you've spoken with some really big names in the industry and, so it, it's always a pleasure listening to your podcast as well. You know, but thank you very much. I, I, I really appreciate the sentiment. And um, it was, I, we saw you, uh, I, we were in the hangout having a chat and we saw your icon. Um, I know that you tried to get in, <laughs> but uh, didn't quite pull it off. But it was, it was really nice to at least see your icon anyway. And, uh, and thanks for those lovely kind words there. Yeah. But in terms of answering your question, um, it, it, it may sound a little, I don't know what the right word is for it, but when I, when I, when I mentioned to you there have been a lot of changes to my photography, it's not been so much what I've been shooting mm. or, or even how I've been shooting. I mean, that, 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 that latter does play a role. Mm. But it's been really interesting to be really aware of where I'm at in my head when I'm shooting and that that has resulted in a big difference. Mm. And part of that is the result of teaching. I've been teaching at two places. I've been teaching at the Los Angeles Center of Photography here in Los Angeles, and I've also been teaching at the Arcanum. Mm. One of the things about doing that is that I've been having to sort of talk to people about process, mm. about the process of of what I do when I'm out there shooting. And I've had to verbalize it and repeat it in a way that I, I normally don't have to. Mm. Uh, normally I just go out, out and shoot. But when you're having to explain someone the way you do things, it, it, it makes you very um, self-conscious isn't the word, but it, it makes you um, that much more aware of everything you're doing from soup to nuts. Yeah. And, and I started observing what was going on with me when I was going out and shooting what my, and what would lead me to make the choices that I made as a photographer. Mm. And because I was feeling a little frustrated at, at, uh, with what I was doing and I started observing what I was doing and I realized that a big part of it was this fear thing. And I've talked about fear a couple of times on, on the podcast. But I would go, because I'm a street photographer for people who don't, who don't know. So, you know, I would go out there and I would recognize how this anxiety would come up 
in me, this fear would come up in me. Mm. And so much of it would sort of dictate when I would raise the camera or when I would choose not to raise the camera, mm. uh, how close I would choose to be, how long I would linger in a space. And while I was doing all these things that I was sharing with other people about, about being aware of the light, about owning the frame, about being aware of what's happening at the periphery of your frame, things like that, mm. uh, I started being really aware about how I was feeling at a given moment. Mm. And getting to the point where I would recognize those anxieties and fears, but not allow them to dictate what I would do or not do. I see. And I would move, and I would just move sort of move past that and going, okay, I want to photograph this person who's over here. I'm feeling this anxiety about doing it. And, and sometimes that would prevent me from doing it. But it was mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm feeling this, but go ahead. Just keep, just keep doing it. You know, and if an issue comes up, you'll just, just deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I found myself being, finding myself to be a, being a little more liberated about that, not allowing those feelings to dictate what I cho chose to do and not do. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, I've been able to sort of explore what I do with the camera in a very different way. Um, I've been able to, to create images that I, I don't think I would have been able to make even just a year ago. Wow. And I think it's really interesting. It's, and it's not just about not wanting to avoid conflict with people. I think that that's, that's never been a real big issue for me. Mm. Um, I think I have a, a, a really good sort of persona when I'm out there on the, on the street. I'm very positive. I'm very enthusiastic. And for the most part, I'm always able to diffuse any situation. If people have an issue with me pointing a camera in their direction. And I, and I have techniques that, you know, um, make people think that I'm taking something, a picture of something else other than them. And, you know, all those things that a street photographer sort of does. Mm. But um, what was really just different for me was just that, 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 that awareness of what was happening inside of me mm -hmm. uh, really just allowed me to make very different choices. And I think I was still early on in this process because I, I was taking, when you asked me to submit images to you, I was taking a look at them and um, I liked uh, the, the images that I produced over the last couple of, um, couple of months. Mm -hmm. uh, but I felt like, God, there's, I feel like there's a there's a, a benchmark there's a, there's a threshold that I'm trying to hit, mm. and I haven't felt like that in a long time. Yeah. So while it's while it's good, uh, while a lot of people like the pictures, I feel like I'm on this sort of upswing to hitting some sort of mark, and I'm not sure exactly what that mark is. Mm. But I feel as I'm going as I'm shooting that I'm moving somewhere new that I'm moving somewhere different. So when I told you about, you know, this new thing in my photography, it's really this journey that I'm experiencing, which I really can't define and point to in, in a photograph and saying, Oh, this is what I'm doing differently. Mm. Just really aware of what's happening inside of me and seeing the images changing. Mm. That is going to be in terms of an end result. I don't know yet. Wow. So, I mean, there, there are so many things there that I, I want to touch on. I'm not sure that I'll be able to do it quite in a, a logical order, but the, you know, you, you started there talking about the, the way 
teaching has helped your own photography. And this is something that I found, I you know, from the start, even with the podcast. The podcast is, has always been, for me, a, a way of teaching, a way of helping people with their own photography photography through the my own experiences and i've i've found that i just in the the act of going through in my mind i I podcasted about this with the mental checklist a few weeks ago but i um i started to go through what i was going to say in the podcast while i was making the photographs in the field and i found myself correcting images uh, correcting problems in my photographs before i made them and just the act of trying to think through logically how I was going to explain a certain technique or process helped me to refine that process. And I, I think that that's probably related to what you were saying there because, you know, in having to explain verbally to people what you're doing and how and why you're doing things, it really does make you think and question your own processes because, you know, I mean, we do a lot of things just by pretty much naturally the, we've got the, the muscle memories there we don't have to think about a lot of the stuff that we do but then mm. when you when you need to tell that to someone else all of a sudden it's like you start questioning yourself you start questioning your own processes so i think that that's probably a part of of um you know i'm, I'm really just repeating what you're saying but i've definitely had that myself and and feel as though that is a big part in in our growth as photographers yeah, I'm, I'm going to release a video uh, about an image that I made recently. Mm. I was walking um, down the street, and I, it was, I was out for lunch, so I only had a finite period of time before mm. I had to get back to the, back to the studio. Mm. And uh, I'm always always with my camera. I'm never without, without a camera. Mm. And I'm walking down the street, and I see these red chairs behind the storefront window. Mm. So just a row of four red plastic chairs mm. the initial images are of those that that pattern and then i start going ah and then it, it, that's not enough and then i wait for people to sort of pass by and that's not really working and then i, I get further and further back and i start including more things in the frame i start including uh, part of the skyline uh, i include start including an alleyway i start including the sidewalk i'm playing around as different people are walking within the frame and it's like I think I made like about 30 or 40 images. Mm. And then I just started making all these sort of micro changes within the frame, like shifting a little to the left, mm. a little to the right, and including a little more sky, just, just experimenting because I was trying to figure out in that process, how can I make this work? Mm. I had a gut feeling, okay, there's, there's a potential here for something. Mm. Right? And I think I spent a good amount of time just sort of building the frame Mm. And the rest of it was waiting for just the right element to walk into the frame to help sort of complete it. Mm. And uh, I came I came away with one shot that I was pretty pleased with, but you know I could have, I I could have stayed there for another hour. <laughs> yeah, these these damn lunch breaks they're 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 so short. Right, but what I enjoyed about 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 that was that whole process mm. of slowly sort of building this shot. And being aware that I was as conscious as I was of every single element within that frame. That I was so in that moment, mm. you know. I mean, I, I did have the pressure of, okay, I'm on the clock now. I, I'm going to have to get back. Mm. But given that, the fact that I was so so present, so hypersensitive to 
all these disparate elements and how they were playing together. Mm. And how I just knew that I just need that one thing <laughs> to, to really complete that. And the fact that I was that conscious, yeah. uh, that was really thrilling in that moment. Uh, the picture that I have, I think, is good, you know, uh, but it doesn't match the experience that I was having. Yeah, it it yeah. Didn't, didn't culminate in that moment where everything just paid off beautifully. Mm. Um, is this is this the the red bench that in one of the photos that you sent? Or uh, I don't know if I included it in the yeah. There's section. there's one there's one with a red bench with some fallen looks like maple leaves um, all on well, the that, ground. Yeah, that I I was at PIX, uh, the PIX event in Seattle. Uh, okay, it says uh, picks on there, so it may be it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I was doing a presentation there, and um, I was doing a photo walk with uh, another street photographer, Rinzi Ruiz. Mm. And um, I was just walking people through the process of, of how I find uh, a scene. Mm. And we were walking, and there was this stru structure to this building, and I felt... Oh, look how the light hits there. So we sort of moved in that direction. Hmm. And un underneath this sort of passageway was this scene uh, with the bench and, and the leaves. Hmm. And so I'm talking out loud to these people about, oh, I see this bench at the end, and I start moving in. And I, oh, and I tell them how I'm starting to take that scene apart. Hmm. And my initial shots included some of the trees with the bench being in the middle of the frame or at the bottom of the frame. Hmm. Just telling them how, oh, there's all these distracting elements in the far distance, so I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to get rid of. And then I just bring the camera down, mm. putting the bench near the top end of the frame, mm. and then see the shot. Yeah, yeah. So this was one of those, those times where I was talking out loud about the process. Mm. And then when I saw that particular composition, I got really excited because I was like, there's the shot. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was just like what we were talking about. It was just about, there are a lot of photographers who are listening to this who know what this feeling is. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're exploring a scene, and it's not about being frustrated. It's not about being goal-oriented in terms of trying to make a shot. It's about that moment when you see something and you feel something in your gut. Mm. It's not necessarily that you're seeing the photograph, but you're sensing the potential of that moment, that space, uh, and you're going, wow, there's something here. Yeah. And if I can get, if I can get out of the way of it, mm. I'll be able to make a really interesting photograph. Mm. And, you know, yeah, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, I'm, I was going to say, you know, I, I totally relate with the, the idea of working a scene and trying to, to sort of improve each frame has to has to feel like it, it, it it's either going to be better or it's going to be worse but i think that when it's better you know you're moving in the right direction when you when it's worse you feel you certainly still benefit from that because you know you're moving in the wrong direction so it's it's they both give you information um but i think the the act of working a scene in that way is is a really valuable thing to do as well the what I find is a great shame is sometimes, you know, people can, and probably myself too, walk up to a scene, you see something, you say, oh yeah, there's the shot, and you just bang and you walk on. And I don't think that that works, 
you know, sometimes it does. Sometimes the shot presents itself to you and you, and that's it. But I think there's always value in in working a scene a little bit more and trying to to pull out more. And like you said, you know, you 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 might compose it with something along the top. You might compose, tilt the camera down. There's a lot of things that the the perspective and you know the the wide angle lens tends to distort things and brings the foreground further forward. And you, you've got a whole bunch of stuff that you can do as you change your focal length or your camera position. And I think that the it, it really does help to improve your photography to to continue to search for that while you're working any scene. Um, and you know that there's a whole bunch of things that that we we do. And I think that there comes a point when a certain amount of it becomes automatic, but I think that's also dangerous in that if you if you allow the the totally automatic you to just rule the process, then you you can sometimes walk away before you get what could have been a, a better photograph. And so, you know, I think it comes that kind of comes back to what you're saying about the the situation that you're in at the moment where you feel as though you're on the upswing, then, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I, I really can relate to that as well. I mean, I've been in this place before, mm-hmm. but I think that the, my practice of photography is, is changing in, in the fact that I'm, I feel myself building my photographs. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I went from, from taking photographs to making photographs and now I'm building them. Mm. And I don't know if that makes makes sense. Oh, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm finding. Um, I think Sam Abel talks about finding the setting, mm. um, and that's really. And you take a look at his photographs; just fantastic. Photographs. Oh yeah, yeah. But he he talks about finding the setting a lot, and I haven't had the opportunity to take his workshops, but I have you know broken bread with him and, and talked to him, and he brings a very sort of Zen sort of attitude to his photography. Mm. Um, yeah, it's beautiful work, without a doubt. Beautiful work, and when you take a look at some of that, that that you just go, Jesus, how do you how do you build that? Mm. And and now I understand what what it what it takes, and it's and it's kind of a little bit misleading when you think about street photography because the, the the sort of the image people have is someone you know you know just pounding the shoe leather, you know, mm. and snapping pictures as things happen around them, and I found that I've done that, and my hit rate is pretty low. Mm-hmm. I get lucky, um, but this way of working uh, in the same environment, under the same sort of circumstances and conditions, is allowing me to sort of put together all these disparate, disparate elements mm. and really shape them into something that, at two hundred fifty or five hundredth of a second, really works. Mm. Really works, and I like and I like the challenge of that. Yeah, yeah. and it and it, it's making the photography really really fun. And one of the things I should say about it is that the photography that I've been doing um, as of late has all been th- been within really finite periods of time. Mm. Working on a uh, on helping to produce a NPR show called Bullseye, mm. so that that's uh, has me under contract for for a year. And so it's a nine to five gig. So when I go out and photograph, it's during my lunch breaks or during my breaks. Mm. So I got an hour for lunch and I got like 15 minutes you know, during the breaks. So my photography is happening during that finite period of time each day during the yeah. work. Wow. Do, so do, you, like, 
Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so it's not like I have these two or three hours I'm going out to shoot. Mm. But now with the with the, you know with the time change, the light's gone by about four thirty. Mm. So time I get work at five thirty, the light's all gone. So yeah. I, I don't have that much of a window of opportunity to go out to to, to you know to to make some pictures. But that being said, mm. I'm I'm enjoying the limitation mm. and the fact that I know okay I've got fifteen minutes. What yeah. can I find within that fifteen minutes? And I think for probably seventy percent, seventy five percent of the time, I'm able to find something that I'm pleased with. Mm. That that's good. It's it's not. I wouldn't say it's the greatest photography I've ever done, but I feel like I've succeeded in in doing what I've just described to you mm. in terms of getting out of my head enough to be aware of what's happening, about putting together these elements in terms of light, in terms of color, in terms of tone, in terms of gesture, in terms of the presence of people or not the presence of people, and make a photograph that that that's really interesting visually. That is a great, it's basically an exercise for me every day. Mm. Not so much the can, can I. It's not so much. Oh, can I come away with a great photograph? That's that's not the. That's not what I'm trying to do. If if it happens, fantastic. Mm. But it's when I'm able to get into that space where I can put the pieces together. I mean, basically, I can. No, let me rephrase that. I can recognize a scene, mm. take it apart like something out of the Matrix. <laughs> All these individual pieces are are separated, and I can suddenly bring them back together in a way that makes sense within the context of the frame. Wow! Yeah, that that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I and listening listening to you there, I, I'm I'm wondering if you know the the pressure of those lunch breaks. I know that you you mentioned you know how how you you've only got this finite amount of time. And I, I wonder if limitations being placed on your photography are helping you in, in some way. Uh, you know, it's like you hear uh, people will talk about things like using a, only using a 50 millimeter or, you know, placing some kind. I, I know that David Dushman does this as well. Mm -hmm. um, but place a, a limitation on your photography, even if it's just for the, for the sake of an exercise. And it forces you to become more creative within those limitations. And I, I think that you, it sounds as though you're getting those from the limitation of working in these, these lunch breaks and 15 minutes or, you know, the very short amounts of time that you're, that you're working within. Yeah. I mean, it makes a huge, huge difference. And I'm working really simply. I'm either, most of the time now I'm using uh, the Samsung NX500. Hmm. And that's the camera I'm going out there. I also have a Fuji X100S, but for the most part, I'm using the, the Samsung. And um, either using a kit lens, which is like, a, like an 18 to 55 or something along that, along that line. Mm. And usually I'm shooting at the equivalent of 28 to 35 millimeters. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's the, the focal length range that I'm working at because I'm, I really have been pushing myself to shoot more wide angle, to include more within the frame. Mm. In, work so tightly so that's also a factor in, in in the in the limitation there but yeah i think that all those things in terms of time uh in terms of the limited kit that i'm working with with the, the focal uh, focal length range i'm limiting myself to all of that stuff mm. is is having an influence in terms of how i'm seeing and how i'm shooting and uh, and the images that, that are the result mm. Mm. 
You know, that that reminds me of of the conversation we had years ago on the focus ring when we were talking about something that you you mentioned earlier, which is the fear and apprehension of photographing people. And I I just sort of joked that if, you know, if I was to do street photography, it would probably be with it with my six hundred millimeter so that I can keep the distance between me and the person. But those twenty eight to thirty five, I mean that obviously if you're gonna photograph people, that means you do have to get up close. Um and uh, I still really haven't, I don't do enough street photography um, throughout the year to even get any, build up any kind of immune system to that apprehension. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember a few weeks ago, I, this year I've, I've started playing with a, an old medium format uh, film camera that I, I threw over my shoulder one day when my wife and I were going to go into town and we were going to have a walk around. We were going to do a little bit of shopping, but we were also going to have a walk in a park and in that park there was a a woman sitting in a kimono at the edge of a traditional Japanese garden reading a book and next to her sitting on the grass was probably her husband um, in just regular clothes and a kid and I thought oh geez look at that that that's a photograph right there and the fear just got hold of me and I I, I sort of I walked past and I thought I really want to shoot that, but do I, how do I go about it? And I ended up walking away from it. You know, it was like the fear won. And it, it was partly because my wife was there and I was sort of, it was supposed to be just a, a a bit of a walk in the park, but I should have gone back. And as I walked away, I was kicking myself. And, I, you know, so I, for me, that fear and apprehension of actually approaching people is still very strong. And it stopped me getting a photograph. And those are the sort of photographs that, you know, in nature, it's something that you you fail to shoot at the right time. You see something, you don't stop the car. You think, oh, I'll go, I'll I'll shoot that on the way home, and then you get on the way home. The light's totally different, looks like crap. So you you get these images in your head that haunt you. But now I've got this one of this woman in a kimono, and you know, I mean, it might have been it, it might have been a um, so stereotypical that it wouldn't have worked, but I still would have loved to at least have shot it. And and the fear won on that occasion. So, yeah. Um, and, and there have been many days where I'm been at the office right now and go, oh, I need to get this stuff done. And mm. I'll take my break and I'll just slog through this stuff. Mm. And in the days that I've gone out there, I said, no, go out, take your 15 minutes and go out and find something to photograph. And those days I've come away with being, feeling very gratified that I took that time and went out to make the photograph. Mm. I think yeah. that that is really analogous to the experience a lot of photographers have in terms of, you know, deciding to whether or not they're going to get up early to mm. get mm. that good light, or whether they're going to, you know, stop the car in order to make the image that you described. Or mm. you know, when you're driving around, you see a scene and you say, "I'll oh, get back to it," and instead, no, no, I'm going to stop now and make this photograph because it's just not going to be there. Like for example, uh, there's an image of a blue old pickup truck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there and. Um, I had been driving past that location a couple of times, and I was noticing the pattern of light on that green wall. Mm. And then this one day, I was just like, I'm not passing it up. <laughs> and that day, that, that blue truck happened to be there. Oh, brilliant. I went, and I probably worked that scene for about 10 minutes before mm. the light was gone. Mm. In the subsequent days, the truck was never there again. Wow. 
So in yeah, the- for the for the sake of the listeners, uh, Iberian X has sent me a, a bunch of photos, and I'll put this into the blog post, which will be at mbp.ac slash five zero two. So you can um, you'll be able to check that out. That is just in the US, right? That's in that's in LA. The, yeah. The, yeah. Wow. If for people familiar with Los Angeles, it's just west of downtown Los Angeles in an area called Westlake. Okay. Uh, it's a park there called MacArthur Park. So it's probably, uh, with, with no traffic, only about eight or nine minutes from uh, downtown, downtown Los Angeles. Wow. You know, when, when I opened this, this, your file of photos this morning, I, I thought perhaps it was Cuba or something like that because they, they've got a lot of old cars over there. But, yeah, this is great. I, I love the textures and just the, the, you know, the light that you're working with here. Um, and I can see in in the photos that you've sent. Um, I, you know, I'll share I'll share a whole bunch of these uh, in the blog just so that people can can see where you're at with your work. But um, I I can see that you've got a certain amount of experimentation going on here. And although you know it still feels very much like the the Iberian X that I know, I, I also do see a, a lot of experimentation here that you're. I can feel that upswing that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, earlier you you mentioned um, you mentioned the the techniques that you use to to overcome. I think it was I've I've got a note that I made earlier. I've got the word fear and I've got the word technique. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do to to actually overcome that fear of approaching people? Um, you know, for me, I know that for me, the fear of now is stronger than ever. The fear of not of walking away without the photo is is probably greater than the fear of of actually going up and approaching that person. And I'm not sure if that might be something that I've heard you say before. You know, how do you drive yourself to to overcome the fear? Well, one of the things that I'm doing right now with my stuff in Westlake is I'm not really approaching people, mm. and what I'm doing is I'm making myself a fixture on on the street. And one of the things that I've been doing is I've been, um, one of the things that I frequently do is I'll, I'll stop at a street corner mm. uh, at a curb. So I'll have, pe- I'll have this two sidewalks mm. coming from my right and one coming to my left. So I got people coming from both directions, right? So I'm right at the corner, mm. see a corner of a building. Mm. So people are coming from, you know, moving along both directions there. And the curb there is, you know, the, the crosswalk where people are crossing the stream. Mm. So, it's a really busy. It's a really busy corner. Mm. I'm there, and people can see me from a distance because mm. they're walking in that direction, right? Mm. So when they see me, they already see me making photographs. So they're not they're not thinking that I'm making a photographs of them. I see. But I'm very aware of who's coming up and down the street. Mm. So that being said, what I'm doing is I've already looked at. What's what is happening at the corner? There are already some vendors that are there at the corner. I'm aware of the color of the wall. I'm aware of the color of the light. I'm, I've already sort of figured. Okay, what's my overall frame going to be here? Mm. You know, what's what's my setting? What's my background going to be? All of that stuff I've sort of figured out. Mm. So as these people start coming in, I start sort of moving and jockeying my position, sort of doing this little dance. <laughs> And waiting to people for people to walk into my frame, and uh, I'm especially waiting for them to get really physically close to me. 
because I'm using 28, they're usually on the periphery of my frame, but sometimes they're, they're so close to me that I can touch them mm. and I can make the photograph. But I'm, uh, over and above that, I'm not just aware about this singular person. I'm also aware of the person coming from the left, the person coming from the right, the person that's right behind them. Mm. Um, I, I'm I'm trying to time it so that all of these different elements that are moving within the frame suddenly happen. Like there's a, there's a there's an example of an image with a guy with a cane that I submitted to you. Mm. Okay, so what initially drew my attention there, and this isn't a this isn't at that street corner, but it's relatively close to there. Mm. So, but my first reaction to that scene was the red tiles and the white tiles. Mm. And I went, oh, that's an interesting contrast. And then I saw the white sort of shade in the windows. And oh, that's pretty good. That's kind of interesting. And so I made some frames just with that. Mm. Then I noticed that there was a, an umbrella hanging uh, on the security gate mm. to, to the window. And I went, oh, okay, that's good. And I made some shots that were basically abstract shots. And then I started pulling sort of further back. And then I started sort of building that overall frame. And I said, well, let me include a little more of the sidewalk. And then I started uh, having people, you know, moving in front of the frame. Mm. And I kept shooting and shooting and shooting. And then this frame happened where I had this fellow with a cane moving towards the right of the frame. And I have these two other women moving towards the left. Um, and I, I made that shot. And... It, that shot has all those things that I've been talking about. Mm, yeah. One thing, the one flourish that I didn't see the moment I made the photograph was the fact that this man's cane mimics the handle of the umbrella in the background. It's exactly the same angle, isn't it? It's like... Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the same Color. shape, angle. Yeah. yeah. And it just made the shot. But the, he's really close to me. I mean, I could reach out and sort of touch him. Mm. But that's the kind of stuff that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, I'm not, I'm not just trying to create images that have depth to them. That's always been a sort of a goal of mine. But it's just about being able to anticipate that moment where where you're having all these, all these, all this sort of chaos hmm. that's happening around me, and I'm and I'm and I'm basically trying to go. How much of this, all this craziness, hmm. can I put together in a frame and still make it work? Hmm. Hmm. Because for the longest time, what I would do is I would just like throw stuff out. Yeah, I would just eliminate stuff from the frame and try to make as simple and clean a composition as I could. Mm. And I'd gotten really good doing that. And I could make some really nice abstract photographs, some nice street photographs, in which I was basically practicing minimalism. Mm. But I got sick and tired of doing that. And it's like, <laughs> how about if I throw throw more stuff in? Yeah. You know, which is complete, completely went against what I knew was easy for me to do. Mm. You know, mm. I, I could, you know, work in that minimal, minimal, minimalist form and know that I could come away with a really good photograph. Mm. But I, I didn't want to keep doing that. I didn't want to keep repeating myself over and over and over again that way. I think that's one of the reasons I'd gotten frustrated. So mm. part of my fear, part of my anxiety was like, oh, can I pull it off? Yeah. Good yeah. enough of, 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 am I as good of a photographer as I think I am that I'll be able to be able to pull this off? And uh, so when I make shots like this, I feel like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm I'm seeing and I'm practicing in a way that I'm able to make. I, I, I I'm on the path to making that. So mm. I can relate to that. I've, I mean, I I can relate to a number of things there, and one is that you know, I mean, I I still, for me, I find it 
very important to illuminate. You know, I, I often say that it's it's photogra- good photos are, are about what you leave out or what you eliminate uh, from the frame almost as much, if not more importantly, than what you include. But but you're throwing the gauntlet down to yourself. You're giving yourself a challenge of including more. And that that's certainly, I mean, it's that's a scary thing to do. But looking at this and looking at your, your recent work, I can see that that's starting to pay off. And I I, I remembered as you were talking there um, why I wrote the word technique down in, in this little bullet list that I was I was putting together as you spoke. And it was about, you'd mentioned uh, about a technique for photographing without people thinking that you're photographing. And yeah. look, looking at the, the height of the camera in this photo with the wall and the canes and the, the person, well, the three people, um, you've, you've got the camera at like waist or hip height. So right. is that what you're doing? Are you, are you actually re- lowering the camera down? Are you using the, the um, articulated screen and things like that? Yeah, that's one of the reasons that I'm doing it. Um, okay. So I, I found that it's, and I'm not doing it because I don't want people to think that I'm taking a photograph because it's very obvious that I that I am there making photographs. Mm. So it, it's it's not that I'm that people think I'm I'm doing something else. It's not that. It's that I like the perspective mm, mm. from shooting at waist level. Yeah. Because uh, even when I used a camera with a uh, a viewfinder, I was occasionally you know, getting physically down, mm. get that perspective sometimes, this is just makes it that much more convenient for me mm. to be able to do it. Because um, I like the way things are looking when I move the camera down when I'm not at eye level. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, start, the thing that strikes me about this photograph is that it doesn't even feel... It, it feels as though the photograph's been made from somewhere where there is nobody. That, you know, normally when, when you shoot at eye level... You can tell that it's coming from you know you're there with the camera at eye level, mm-hmm. but with this photograph, um, it it's like it's as though the the camera is just suspended in midair. I I don't get the feeling that it's someone with a camera. I get a feeling that it's a slice of time from daily life of these people, these three people, and the, their environment. And so it it's remove it kind of removing you from the from the the end result, um, and yeah. I don't know if I mean if, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but but I you know apart from you know that's an egotistical way to look at it, um, but I think the end result is quite striking because it really does it feels as though there's it it's just the camera suspended in midair and and that that's appealing so I, I like the I like the direction that you're taking this yeah I like that observation mm. so. Do you do anything else? Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier your your gear. You've you've got the Samsung and the, and the Fuji. Um, do you have any sort of other limitations on? You know, we, I, I mentioned like a fifty millimeter. You said you were shooting with the twenty twenty eight to thirty five. Um, is there anything else that you do to to push this kind of photography? I, mean, I guess I mean, if that's the only kit you're using, then there are limitations that come from that, but. You know, is there anything there that you feel is is helping to to increase the the um, you know the appeal of this work? Uh, I think it's it. I just got the uh, the small uh, flash on, mm. on Samsung. I, I put that on there because I really really kind of curious as to how images will look 
if I was using a little uh, flash on the street. And I just started doing that. Mm, mm. Uh, just started playing around with, with trying to find, uh, working with the settings, how much do I need to reduce the output of the flash in order to get the look that I'm going for. Um, I've usually used the Fuji in the silent mode, which automatically cancels the flash mm. and actually uh, uh, enabling it now. And so that, that's one thing that I'm going to be adding to, to the mix. Mm. The use of the flash, um, just to see what happens. I mean, I'm not going to go a full Bruce Gilden uh, <laughs> at, at any point. I'm going to get get into people's faces and you know mm. and flash them. That's not what I'm what I'm into. But I'm really curious as to um, what I can bring out in terms of color and tone by using the flash. Because one of the, the realities that I'm facing is that because I'm often photographing around noon is uh, the, the quality of the light is overhead. So sometimes I'm contending with some really strong shadows. Mm. Not so much right now, just because of the nature of the weather and, and, and such. But I, I, I'm, doing with it, I'm dealing with it occasionally, and I was really curious, hmm, would the flash be able to help me much with that? Mm. And because I'm using it in the daylight, most people are, are uh, the light from the flash is not like, is not going to, uh, people are not going to react to it as they would if I was shooting flash at night or indoors, mm. where it's really obvious. Um, when you're outdoors in the daytime, the flash is almost invisible. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play with that to see what, how that will enhance my, my pictures. I don't know if I'm committed to it uh, at this point, but that's something that I'm doing every time I go out there is I have the, the, the flash enabled. Mm. And when I'm working, I'm having it shoot the, um, I haven't shot anything so far that has really confirmed, oh, yeah, uh, uh, this is a path I want to continue to go. I'm still playing around with that. But mm. you know, it's 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 part of what you, you mentioned earlier is this experimentation yeah. uh, that I'm, I'm willing to do that I don't think I was uh, willing to sort of embrace before because I was so, I, it was so locked in with the outcome. So mm. with so much of my photography, I have to come away with a great photograph. Mm. That's the only way this 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 spending three hours roaming around shooting is going to be worthwhile is if I come away with some great photographs and mm. kind of let that go. So now I'm being more playful, more experimental, uh, being willing to come back with nothing mm. and be okay with that. And that's big. I mean, that's something that I think, and that takes a lot of guts, you know, because I, I think that as photographers, once we once we get a certain amount of the technique down, and our creativity is is where we want it to be. I think we 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 need those confirmations that we're still doing it to 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 sort of validate what we're doing. And you're you're essentially throwing that out. And and I think that that takes a lot of guts. But I also I can see from your work that it it really is starting to pay off. So mm. I uh, I'm looking through your images, and there's there's one of a a guy in a room uh, with a blue wall behind him. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about this. This is a little bit different. You know, I, you know, you're obviously there, and you, you're in this one. I can feel you in front of him here. T tell me about yeah. this. I was at a I was at a men's retreat this earlier this year, mm. and this was early, early in the morning. And I'd gotten up early to take a walk, and I walked into the room. Uh, before the event had started. Mm -hmm. And I saw this light coming through this wall. And I went, oh, that's just really lovely light. And there was a chair there. And so I just, you know, started playing with making an image of the chair. And then my friend in, walked in and I said, hey, 
Come on. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just started making his, uh, just making the photograph, just trying to take advantage of the light. And I was just like moving him around, moving my, um, um, my, you know, changing my composition from horizontal to vertical, talking to him, keeping him engaged, you know, and, uh, because I, I, again, it was just I saw the light, I saw the setting, and I wanted to do something with it. And when I, and I, the chair wasn't wasn't making it happen. Mm. You know, it was like okay, it's good, but it needs something else. And then, you know, the photo god sent my friend in, mm. and I started making the the photograph. And this is one of those images where I did make some changes to it because the the color of the light was overall warmer, mm. uh, but using a Lightroom, I actually. Um, made the space around them a little cooler, mm. so you get that contrast between warm and, and cool. Mm. Uh, but I really like the the portrait of him. Mm. It is and, a great, uh, great photo, great character, and 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 listening to your backstory there, I can I can sense again you're you're building the photograph. You you just went through the the steps, the building blocks that went into putting this together. So. Yeah, I mean that that sense of building your photographs that you mentioned earlier is coming through again. Yeah, because I'm working at a, on a, a basically a photo essay at the uh, at the place where I'm working. Mm. I'm doing sort of a photo story on what it's you know on on the work the work environment there and the people working together and all this other stuff and all the same stuff I've been talking about is playing there is playing a role there. Mm. And the photographs are very different from the stuff that I'm doing on the street and but. Mm. I'm putting to practice everything that I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Taking things apart, putting them together, trying to make everything work within the context of the frame. And uh, I'm really slowly uh, building this body of work with the intention of doing something. Uh, I want to put together a little book by the time my, my time there is over. Mm. I, I can almost see, if, if not something similar to what you've, your, your previous books, I, I can almost see like a coffee table book called Lunch Breaks or something like that. <laughs> yeah, just just the this is what this is what I did over the over the case of the yeah. what the over this period of a year or two or whatever, um, and, and just sort of putting out because as as art, it's just it's right there and it's very you. So yeah, I'm I'm looking now at the the photograph of the guy in the blue hat. Um, yeah, obviously very much ab about the color. Um, with the with the hat centralized there, um, but of course you mentioned earlier about you've always been uh, aware of depth in your photographs, and you you've obviously you know you've got this whole scene of the people working in looks like a cafe, a restaurant in the yeah. in the, or or a deli or whatever. I mean, tell us a little bit about this this photo. What what's what were you um, what was going through your mind as you set this up and everything? Well, I was teaching a workshop through LICP. Mm. We were going to the Central Market, which is this big op this market that uh, has all these restaurants and uh, vendors. It's a real, it's really sort of the central part of downtown Los Angeles. Mm. And we were walking across the street, and I saw this guy with the, with a hat. Mm. I went, "Oh wow, yeah, he'd be great, make a great photograph." Mm. I was, you know, I had a group around me, and I was, you know, trying to be. Uh, sort of wrangle everybody so we could get there. And then I had everyone just shoot in this place for about 20 minutes, and I was making my way to the other end of the market mm. when I passed by this restaurant, and I saw the guy with the hat that I'd noticed before having 
having lunch, sitting down to lunch. I was, oh, great. So I can actually make a photograph. Mm. So I really loved the, the blue hat and mm. I loved the, the quality of the light that was coming overhead and hitting him mm. and the, sort of the warm artificial light that was illuminating the, the restaurant workers that were in front of him. Mm. And so I, again, was starting playing around with the frame. Where do I put them? Do I put them in the center? Do I put them slightly lower? Do I higher? Do I raise the camera up? Do I lower it? I was doing all those things. And when I finally settled on my frame, I just started paying attention to the, uh, the workers behind them because they were constantly moving mm. and changing within the frame. And I was just waiting for a moment where one of the workers was doing something interesting, giving me a, just the right gesture that would help sort of complete the frame. Mm. I knew that I was like 90% there. <laughs> The one critical flourish that would really make the shot was having someone in that background yeah. uh, do something interesting. And during that whole time, I'm in this aisle, so people are moving in front and behind me. Mm. So I'm constantly having to jockey with people sort of getting in my way <laughs> and, and sort of, but trying to be stay aware of what's happening, my frame, and just sort of holding, holding my position. You know, mm. all this all this stuff is happening around me so that when the right moment happened, I was ready for it. Yeah, wow. So, you know, the, the color, the striking color is is probably part of what attracted you to all of that. I like the the way the composition sort of puts the hat in the middle. Um, and that's one of those things that, you know, people that are getting started are going to have le learned that's taboo. Don't put things in the middle of the frame. But I think that there are times, and this is definitely one, where where that is really the maybe not the only way to do it but it, it's it's a very strong composition it's like saying to someone this is what you're going to look at but then your your background with with the people in the in the you know doing their their job is definitely a, a great way to support that and it it's as though the the guys sitting there just watching them doing their thing so you know there's a lot of lot of great stuff to focus on in that photo and the frames that came before and after, I mean, there are some frames in which he is not in the center of the frame. Mm. He's center. He's off to the left. He's off to the right. Because I was, I was experimenting in that in that moment that trying they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think it's one of the reasons I tell my students, he's like, work the scene, work it. Don't just take one or two pictures and walk away. Mm. You're just getting started. Yeah. yeah, really have to just just commit to it and just exhaust all the possibilities because you're 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 not likely to find the shot just by making one frame it's just there may be some freakish people out there mm. that are able to do that brilliantly mm. uh, i don't know anybody personally who can do that <laughs> uh, you might be able to come away with a great photograph every once in a while but mm. in terms of being able to produce consistently mm. sorry i i think that you have to to be uh, really um, aggressive about working everything out mm. and taking it apart and putting it together and trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to make this work? And even if you don't make it work, if you shot 30 frames and it still didn't work, when you take a look at those photographs later and you start analyzing them and, and, and really critically evaluating them, you should get to the point where you can identify why it didn't work. Mm. Next time that you have a similar circumstance, you'll have that in your memory banks and you'll realize, oh, when I had a similar scene like this, the reason it didn't work, it was A, B, and C. So now that I have another opportunity to shoot something similar, 
let me make sure I don't make those same mistakes, make some different choices so that I can make it work. Mm-hmm. And shooting all of those frames that provide you that information, even if you failed the initial time. But if you only make one shot and it doesn't work, and you don't evaluate the image to that degree, you'll never learn. You'll mm-hmm. never figure out what you're doing wrong or what you're doing right. And you'll go out there and you'll keep making these pictures and you'll keep going, I don't know why I suck as a photographer. <laughs> and part of it is that you're just being lazy. Mm-hmm. That's not to be mean or anything, but I think that there's a, there's a certain laziness that's inherent to a lot of photography that's out there. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is, is, is made all the worse by this fixation on the fact that the, the, this equipment and the software is going to be the remedy to it. Oh, and, for sure, yeah. And it's, and it's not. The only reason why photographers get better is because they shoot, they shoot, they shoot, they shoot. Yeah. And they look at the pictures and they analyze it and they don't get fixated on whether people are going to like the picture or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's wonderful. But at some point when you really get serious about it, you really have to be your own worst critic. And But, but not just say, oh, this sucks and this is great and am I wonderful? It's like, what am I trying to do? And I think that only comes from staying committed to building a body of work and learning how to edit, which, of course, is a, a whole new conversation. Mm. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, people do often become become um, a little bit lazy, and you know, the 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 whole feeling that you can you can shoot anything and then you just fix it later is is probably damaging a lot of people's work and. That, so that's an important thing for people to think of. You know, um, you you took a step back and and challenged yourself, and I think that there's there are certainly things that anyone everyone can take away from that. It, just to take a look at, at our own photography and think whether or not we are in a similar place where we we need to to step back and say, okay, I've got to stop doing this because it's making me lazy. Am I relying on the processing it? You know, if if you're relying on a certain type of processing to save your images every time you go out with the camera, then maybe there's there's a challenge that you need to throw down to yourself as well. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I I've got to ask this one last um, photograph. You, you sent me a bunch of great images, but there's the guy with the um, the big orange fairy wings or butterfly <laughs> wings on his back. You got to tell me what tell me the story of this one. What's happening here? Well, they had a, uh, on Halloween this year, they mm. had a Stan Lee's Kamikaze, which is sort of a, a comic book com- convention that they, mm. they have here. It's kind of like Comic-Con, mm. but at a much, much smaller scale. Mm. And my brother is part of a, uh, a mech club, and it's a club of people who make robots, um, mm. largely inspired by Star Wars and you know other, other films. And he had built an R2 unit. From scratch. So he has a working R2 unit that wow. uh, remote controls. And he actually, as an aside, he got to meet Mark Hamill recently at the Children's Hospital for, for an event. And I was oh, like, brilliant. Very jealous. <laughs> but anyway, he was going to be at a, at a booth at this event. And then, you know, I went to, um, to attend. Mm. And there was just a, it's Halloween. So there was just a whole bunch of people there uh, in full costume. Mm. Um, doing this cosplay stuff. And, of course, I took a picture there. Uh, I took pictures there, but I wasn't completely happy. I mean, it was just so much, it was so much visual noise hmm. that I really, it was hard for me to sort of process everything to the point that I could think about it photographically. Hmm. 
So I ca- I came away not thinking I'd gotten much of much of anything, and I'm walking towards um, to my car, which was several blocks away because this they were having some sort of game at the Staples Center, and they had this event. So parking was insane. I mean, if you wanted to park across the street, they were asking like fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's no way I'm going to pay fifty bucks for parking. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So I had to park a good distance away to get a reasonable reasonable rate. So I'm crossing away, crossing the street. It's a late afternoon, and I see this guy with these butterfly wings. I don't know what <laughs> costume it was, but I see this guy, and I go, oh, that's kind of interesting. And the light hits the edge of his wings. I go, oh. And in my initial shots with him, there was just too much busyness. There was just these other people on the street corner, and I made a couple of frames, and I'm eh, it's it's not working. Mm. Uh, and I just kind of put my camera down, but we kept walking in the same direction. About two or three blocks later, um, I'm seeing him, and he's a, a good distance away from me now. And I see this sort of this red kiosk. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Distance. I'm seeing the light that he's about to so walk into. It's an ATM. Mm. I see the light hitting the yellow post, and there's a fire hydrant there, and. I start running, <laughs> start moving because he's not in the position where he's in in the photograph, but I know he's walking in that direction. Mm. So I'm, I'm I realize I have to make up that distance between me and him, so I can be the right distance uh, between me and him, mm. and be prepared to be able to make the that that the photograph. Mm. So this frame, as compared to the other ones, is a lot. Cleaner. I mean, it's very busy. I mean, there's signage there, uh, there are cars, there are people at a taco truck on the edge. But it's, it's a, it was a much better frame than what I had initially done. Mm. So I managed to get 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 into the right position, and I had two frames. Mm-hmm. Just basically got into position and waited for him to sort of, you know, be in mid step, mm. make this shot just as the light was hitting uh, the tip of his wings. <laughs> that's a great story great anticipation you know you see those those elements and then got yourself ready for it but you know the 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 orange wings it's it's not the same but it almost you know it's it's close to the to the red in the in the atm there and the, the yellow the splashes of yellow the posts his boots his shorts and then he looks like he's carrying a bucket or something that's yellow as well and then the fire hydrant it all it all pulls you know it's busy yes but it all pulls together nicely with all of the elements and the the uh, the way it's all tied together. So, it's <laughs> yeah, and I like I like this picture because it works despite all the noise. Yeah, and I think the noise is what makes it. You know, it's yeah, very it, true. Yeah, it's very nice. <laughs> but it's it 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 goes back to being this so antithetical to how I would have made shots before, mm, mm. right? Where I would be trying to sort of simplify things. And not include all this busyness, just because I felt it would be a distraction. It's like that's the challenge. Can I take something as noisy as this <laughs> and find a way of making it work? Yeah, I so, think you are. It's uh, yeah. it's working well. <laughs> so if I can make, I think this this image is probably representative of of what I'd like to be able to do more consistently. Um, I'm glad that I was able to recognize the potential of that of that moment. Mm. That's something that, I, that really pleases me more than the satisfaction I get from the that specific frame. Mm. I, well, that that's a nice. It's a 
it's a good one of those like feather in your cap or what. You know, well, not so much a feather in your cap, but the the fact that you know you seem to be getting the the satisfaction from those sort of aspects um, as opposed to where you would have got the satisfaction from getting your. You, you know, we, we talked earlier about you go out for a certain amount of time, you've got to come back with a a great image for that. Um, I think you are getting great images, but it's. I think that the satisfaction might be coming from different aspects from from what they would they were in your older old work. So yeah, yeah, it seems the fact to be that it's different is is really really satisfying, and I'm able to make them make them uh, make them work. But um, I'm I, I have to admit that I'm I'm still nervous because uh, it's like I. I I think probably maybe every photographer goes to this, but there's there's a point where you feel like I think I'm really good, mm. and you just want want photographs that 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 reinforce that, mm. right? And I think I probably have this very high mark for myself just because I I take in so much great photography as a result of the show, mm. and you know the books that I I, I constantly look at. I mean, I just looked. Um, Got Mark Cohen, uh, new Mark Cohen's new book. Who's a, a amazing street photographer, mm. uh, and I look at that work, and I, my jaw just drops. And a lot of the stuff he's made over, you know, sixties uh, and the seventies and the eighties, and real classic photography. And I take a look at that work, and my jaw just drops. Mm. Just yeah. the way he's seeing, and and I go, God, I want to be, <laughs> I want that. I want to be as good as that. But you know, that being said. This is thirty or forty years worth of work, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm not making I'm not making a really fair comparison between me and him, mm. you know, comparing me myself to his greatest work. But nevertheless, I look at that work and that's and that that aspirational thing mm. is is first and foremost in my in my in my head. Can I after taking all these photographs, you know, by by next by next summer, will I be able to edit this stuff into you know, twenty or thirty images that I can walk away and feel like I've really accomplished something. That I have, I've hit a new level in terms of what I'm able to do. Mm. I won't know, but the, the the idea that I may fail at this by the time <laughs> I get there really makes me anxious because I'm kind of going, have I have I hit the limits of what I'm capable of as a photographer? Mm. Yeah, and I think that's I'm. It's something I'm willing to explore, but I'm really. I'm really hoping that by the time I reach that, that I will have achieved that, and that I'll recognize it. Mm. Um, but it's 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 a little nerve wracking <laughs> to, to not know. But it's you know I'm sick and tired of playing it safe as well. So yeah. well, you make you're making yourself vulnerable, um, but a lot of good stuff can come from that, and it, it looks as though it is, and it, it already is. So it's it's great to to be to sort of jump in with you and talk about this in the middle of it because you still are in that place where you're feeling anxious and and vulnerable so um you know maybe maybe when you get to the end of this and you've edited your set down we can jump back on a call and and reflect and see how see how it all came out in hindsight that'll be great yeah well i'm i'm aware that you know we've been talking for an hour now and i i know that you've got plenty of other stuff to do so We'll start to wrap this up, but it's been an incredible speaking with you today, Iberian X. And uh, can you tell people where they can find you? Uh, they can go to thecandidframe.com where I do my 
interview show, which will be celebrating 10 years next year. And it's conversations with some of the best um, established and emerging photographers. I mean, I talk to photographers of all genres, of all experience levels, um, just amazing talented people producing some amazing work some people that you've you've heard of uh, no doubt but also some people that you otherwise haven't heard of but who have amazing uh, photographs to share and stories to tell and if you're really into photography and not just into tech and gear and you really want to draw some inspiration from all the various ways that people make photography a part of their lives then take a listen to the show I have uh, apps available uh, on both Windows, Mac iOS, and Windows 8. So you can access the complete archive of shows, over 300 episodes right off of your tablet or, or phone. Mm. Uh, but you can also stream episodes directly at the website at thecandidframe.com. Excellent. Well, I, I can't imagine that many people have not already listened, but if if they haven't, you know, I've been listening since since Iberia Next started, and and every one of his shows is worth listening to. You, there's always plenty of takeaways, and like I said earlier, you always, you seem to get some incredible guests. So, um, I I can't recommend your show more. So, well, really, thanks very much, Iberia Next. It's it's always a pleasure, and uh, I I hope we get a chance to talk again pretty soon. Uh, we will. It's always a pleasure to talk to my man in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. Wow, it was such a pleasure to talk with the Barian X again. And uh, as I said earlier in the middle of that, I have linked to a number of photographs that Iberian X sent me in the blog post. So, And there's links as well to a few of the things that we discussed. So you can go over and check that out at mbp.ac slash 502. The zone system podcast that I talked about last week will probably be here next week now I just wanted to share this with you especially with Christmas coming up so uh, if you celebrate Christmas have a happy one and I will see you again next week thanks very much for listening today if you enjoy this podcast please share a link with your friends and if you don't already please subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast program to ensure uninterrupted delivery you can find me on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and links to everything that I'm up to are at martinbaileyphotography.com, so do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with that follow-up episode, but in the meantime, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.